I want to talk a little bit on eldership. Please don't dial out. Please don't dial out. But I feel we just need to. Um, it's an incredible, um, it's just something very incredible when God brings people through into leadership, into eldership particularly. It's very, very important for the local church because God is busy doing something. God is busy setting things in place for what's coming down the line. Amen. And so it's very important. In actual fact, I'm going to read you a little bit uh, out of this book. Uh, anybody who really wants to know a bit more about it, I encourage you to get hold of this, Biblical Eldership. I'm not too sure who this guy is, but it's, a, it's just an outstanding book. I bought it many, many years ago. And it's very significant. Eldership is very significant in the local church. It really is. Uh, there's actually more written about eldership in the New Testament than even about the Lord's Supper, or about baptism, or even about the gifts. Because it's so important. It really is so important. And it's God's way of doing things, if you understand what I'm saying. And when we have some understanding of this, it just helps. Because the Bible says that when we have understanding of something, we can walk into it. Jesus told a parable about this guy that sowed the seed. And he said the seed was sown, and then those that didn't understand it, it was like the devil came and robbed the seed and took it away. So when we understand something, it grounds us in something. It establishes in something. So that's why we're not going to go into depth about it. I just want to briefly touch on eldership. As You're with me. Amen. So please don't fall asleep on me. Really don't. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to read a little quote out of this book, page 101, if I can find it. All right. For many people... The issue of church government, also referred to as church structure or church organization, is as irrelevant as an issue as the color of the church chairs or the carpet. Indeed, for many people, the color of the church chairs or carpet is actually of greater interest. To these people, <laughs> the organizational structure of church really doesn't matter. The average church member's disinterest in how churches govern needs to be challenged, however. Church government is an extremely practical and theologically significant issue. Some of the worst havoc wrought to the Christian faith has been a direct result of unscriptural forms of church structure. Only a few centuries after the Apostles' death, for example, Christian churches began to assimilate both Roman and Jewish concepts of status, power, and priesthood. As a result... Church government was uh, clericalized, if that's the right word, and secularized, in other words, done in a certain way. Under Christ's name, an elaborate structured institution emerged that corrupted the simple family structure of the church, robbed God's people of their lofty position and ministering Christ, and exchanged Christ's supremacy of his people for the supremacy of an institutionalized church. And that's what happened, unfortunately. I just need a little bit of water. I notice the older you get, the more you have to wet your mouth. And the more frequent you have to release the water as well, unfortunately. LAUGHTER <laughs> Furthermore, church organizational structure matters because structure determines how people think and act. Ultimately, structure determines how things are done in the local church. It is. It determines how we go about doing things in the local church. In practical reality, church structure often takes precedence over theology. Uh, we'll skip through that. The fact is no society, religious or secular, can ever afford to be careless about the structure of its government. This is especially true of the Christian community because great and precious principles are at stake. People who are deeply involved in the actual operation of a local church know from personal experience that the government of the church affects every aspect of the inner life of the church, and that is an extremely important topic. Because it does, it affects every life. A couple more lines. 
Not only does the New Testament record the existence of elders in numerous churches, it also gives instruction about elders and elders and two elders. In fact, the New Testament offers more instruction regarding elders than on any other important church matters, such as the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Day, baptism, or spiritual gifts. So it's quite important. Just want to give you that as a heads up out of this book. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about my own experience. And this is not to, doesn't come from any critical heart. It doesn't come from any side of that. It's just we want to stay as best as we understand true to this word. Everybody will agree with me. Let's do what's in here. Yes or no? Amen. As we used to say, the Bible plus nothing, the Bible minus nothing. Just what the word says, period. All right. It's sometimes a little bit more difficult than we, we realize. So when I got saved, Michelle and I were very, very privileged to be part of a Presbyterian church. And it was a wonderful, it really was. The leader of that particular church was a very gracious man. Uh, he really fathered me in the early years of my faith. And uh, if it wasn't for him and just what he plowed into me, we would not be where we are, obviously, not because of the Lord as well. But he put a lot of time into us. He honestly did. And uh, things were happening. We learned a lot in that particular environment. We really did. It was a real uh, foundational stage that God was putting into our, into our hearts. But I remember we had been there three or four years and uh, he came and chatted to me about what he wanted to do was he wanted to, we had just started extensive home groups into the life of the church and he wanted the home groups to be able to have communion into the local churches. But because they were part of the Presbyterian structure in South Africa, he had to get permission from the presbytery, which is a group of elders that come together from different local churches that oversee all the Presbyterian churches in the Southern Cape or the Western Cape, where it's where we were. And they said no. Because according to them and what they believed, only the ordained minister could dispense communion. And so there and then I realized how important church government is. Because unknowingly they put a ceiling on what we wanted to do. And so when we don't operate according to what, how God has instituted the local church, we put a ceiling on where we can go or where the people in that local church can go to in God. And God never puts a ceiling on His people. Are you with me? But that's what happened. It put a ceiling on it. It really did. And so we had to change the way we wanted to do And this is no criticism. It really is no criticism. And I was remembered then, I reminded of a scripture where Jesus said this. He said, how many of you believe that this is all-powerful when it comes alive to you, the Word of God? Amen. Thank you. Ever shouted that out? It is. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. But Jesus said there's one thing that nullifies this, that takes its power away. He says, men's traditions. Jesus said it nullifies the Word what it does. It nullifies it. So we can't walk into it when we're stuck in our traditions. You with me? So, all right. To understand eldership, we have to understand the nature of church, first and foremost. Church is not an organization. I know many know this. It's not a corporation. It's not a business. Church is the household of God. It's the family of God. That's why it uses family terms throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 2.19 says, We are members of God's household. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, If I'm delayed, Paul's writing this to Timothy, the young man who was an elder in a church, If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, the family, which is the church of the living God. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. And so it's all the family terms that are related. It's a covenant family bound to one another and to God with eternal committed relationships. So if you don't like me, you're going to see me again one day in heaven. <laughs> so you better start liking me. <laughs> Vice versa, you know what I'm saying. Even Romans 8 the Bible says that when we got saved, we received the spirit of sonship. 
Romans 8. We receive the Spirit. And what does that Spirit, our Spirit cry out? Does it cry out salvation? Does it cry out, it cries out Abba, Father. It's a family term. So the church is first and foremost family. I understand it's the army of God and the bride of Christ, but first and foremost a family. Amen. We cannot leave that behind. Why? I believe because when we are born physically on this earth, God's design, it was God's design that a man and a woman come together, produce, have offspring, and that offspring grows up in a family environment. A family environment. Because this brings growth, health, stability, emotional health, mental health, physical health. We strengthen our kids. We help them into maturity. We help them for life. That's what we're called to do. And it's the same in the local church. God puts his children into local church to grow them, to bring them to maturity, to strengthen them, to equip them, to nourish them. You with me? And it happens in this environment. Hallelujah. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It happens in this environment or any local church where God has put people into. So, what are the things we're called to do to our own physical kids? What is one of the things we struggle with as parents more than in teaching them to? Obey. Obey. Because if your physical kids don't obey you, they will never obey God. Whom they cannot see. And what does the Bible say? Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, makes disciples of all nations, and teaching them to obey. Hallelujah. And this is a good environment for us to learn to obey. <laughs> it's a wonderful environment for us to obey. Amen. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, let's go to some scripture. Can we go to... Let's go to 1 Peter 5 first. We're going to go to two scriptures, 1 Peter 5 and Acts chapter 20. If you can turn there. I think they're going to put them up over there. 1 Peter 5. Oh, okay. All right, my, my son's telling me what I should say. No, I'm teasing. He's not telling me. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. I'm only teasing. He's not. He's not. He's just encouraging me. All right, what did I say? 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Let's just stop there a minute. Who was Peter? We know he's one of the disciples. What was he called other than an elder? An apostle. So we see this man, he was an apostle, but he was also an elder. He was an elder, someone in a local church, and it doesn't tell you where, but he was, okay? I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Now he's talking to the elders, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving his overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's a wonderful promise for elders. It really is. Now let's go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We are going to put some things up there just now, just so we can work together. Acts chapter 20, if you go to verse 17, and I think they've put it up there, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he was in another city, and however he sent the message, back to Ephesus, and he said, the elders of that ch local church, I want you to come and meet me. Yeah. He didn't want to go back there because he feared for his life. Okay. So you know the context. What I'm about to read is in the context of this. Let's go down to verse 
27. So now he's talking to these elders. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, interesting the terminology, which we'll touch on very briefly. He's talking to elders, but he calls them overseers. Then he says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So Paul's heart, because early on he says, you won't see me again. And many of them ended up in tears here on earth. And he's talking to this group, and he, from the bottom of his heart, he's just really encouraging them and wanting to strengthen them and give them some sort of instruction and direction. And one of the first things he says of the scripture we read is, keep watch over yourselves. Kevin and Katie, keep watch over yourselves first. Keep watch over your lives. Keep watch over just yourselves. Because when you do well, the church does well. You're with me, I'm not dressed to all elders, but I'm dressed because we are dining you. Then he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now that's a key verse. Who raises up elders? The Bible tells us this. The Holy Spirit. Not man. Not even the church in a sense. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God himself who calls people to that incredible calling of eldership. It's God himself who does it. He puts this calling on a person's life and calls them into the office of an elder. So we can see from this, it's not determined by age. It's not determined by education. There's nothing wrong with education. It's not determined by our position in society or business. Very often we can make the mistake when somebody's doing well in business or they're managing a business or a boss in a business, we make them an elder in the church. No, 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 no. Only if God has called them into eldership. Amen. It's not determined by natural abilities. And it's not determined by title. And it's not a title because of the nature of the church's family. And it's not determined by perfect people either. Trust me, otherwise I wouldn't be standing there. Nor would he be standing there. You're with me. It's not perfect people. It's the calling of God. We have to understand that, people. But it's the calling of God because he gives grace for what he calls you to. You never want to go into something that he hasn't called you to because the grace won't be there. You with me? He gives you grace for what he's called you to. So, encourage, settle this, and I know they have, that you've been called. When you're called, the Bible says, the church recognizes it, or men recognize the calling, and then we lay hands on them and set them in the office. Very simply, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas, when the church realized what the Holy Spirit was saying, they laid hands on them and released them to the nations of the earth. You with me? So even if some of you are called, and I believe some of you are called to eldership, you're sitting here, but the timing is key. The timing when God wants to release you into that call is very key. We don't want to go ahead and we don't want to lag behind. Timing is very key. Why? Because people have to recognize your calling. Because if they recognize it, then they will submit to it. If they don't recognize it, they won't. If they don't recognize leadership, they won't. You with me? You work hand in hand. That's how the church works hand in hand with what God's doing. So a little acronym that's helped me. Cat fat. Whatever God called you to. Never forget this. Cat fat. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about cat fat. 
grab a cat in the house, I call her fatness. She's very secure, because when I call her fatness, she goes, oh, oh, gooey. See, she's very secure. <laughs> cat fat, simply this. The C-A-T is God's department, and the F-A-T is our response. C is calling, anointing, and timing. That's what God does. God calls, God anoints, and it's God's timing. Our response is faithful, available, and teachable. So when we are faithful, we remain available, we remain teachable, then the calling and the anointing and the timing will follow suit. Amen. So God calls. God's called this couple, which is wonderful. There's also a difference between calling and releasing, just for those of you who may be sitting here. Sometimes God calls, but there's a time difference between when he releases. God called David, but there were many years before he actually was enthroned king. And that time is preparation and maturity, and a lot of stuff happens in that time. All right, so let's go back to explaining the four words. Let's put it up here so we don't lose the people. The next, thank you. That one, hallelujah. Amen, well done. All right, so there's four words that the Bible uses. Presbyteros, the elders, episcopos, and I wonder if you explain the other two because I can't pronounce them properly. All right. Now, this is the four words. Those are the Greek words, and this is our English words underneath that, where it's written to one group of people, but functioning in four different ways. Do you understand? So, I'm just going to use Clayton and Dwayne because they're up front. So Clayton, where's Guy? Guy, are you also there? Sorry. Okay, we'll use these three in the time being. Okay, this is the presbyteros. One, two, three. The elders rule the church. The elders watch over the church. The elders govern the church. 1 Timothy 5, 17. The elders direct the affairs of the church. You can go look it up, okay? They, the presbyteros, collectively. Notice the term elders, not elder. Not one person. It's a group, it's a team, amen? That's the first one. Their function is to rule, to watch over. It's in a sense of standing in front, standing ahead and watching over the people. I remember when we first started to lead this church, and there were often on Sundays they would come and just stand and watch the people come in the door. And my, honestly, my heart used to just swell. Just, uh, just overcome. And just like, it's a father watching over his family. It's a father watching his kids. You look through the window and they're playing outside and whatever. And you just watch with pride and glee and just watch over them. Amen. That's what that word. Then the next word, actually what it means is bishop. The word overseer, because we said it, overseer means bishop. Where we get our word bishop. But it's the same person. It's not a different person. And their function is their one of guarding and watching over. Watchmen on the wall, praying day and night. Praying for the people, guarding over the people, guarding over truth, making sure heresy doesn't come in. And Paul writes to Timothy, and a lot of the times he talks about, watch your doctrine, Timothy. Be aware of the false teachers that are going to come in. And so the elders, one of the responsibilities is to, to watch the doctrine of the church, and to make sure stuff is not coming into the life of the church that's going to take people off to guard the truth, to guard the gospel. Amen. All right, then the shepherd, but they're also called to shepherd. And the best is Psalm 23, where they shepherd, they go ahead and they lead the people into paths of righteousness, lead the people into green pastures. That's part of their function. That's what they're called to do. But they're also called to pastor, nurture, feed, care for, look after. You with me? But it's one and the same person. That's where we've gone wrong. We try to separate these and make one's this and one. No, no, it's one and the same. Because that's what the Bible says. Amen. So that's what the function of the elder is meant to be. All right, now, let's determine. Next slide. So what does the Bible say? What are the instructions and exhortation given directly to elders? Very briefly, let me just turn to it. Elders, James tells elders to pray and anoint the sick with oil. Now the Bible says we can all pray for the sick, every believer, yes or no? 
But it's interesting, it says, but the elders anoint with oil. Elders are called, come and anoint with oil. All right. All believers are called. But to anoint, I think there's something of, there's some family dynamic that's taking place when it's like your father comes in, not that they're fathers, come and anoint you and pray over you. You with me? All right. Then Peter directly charges elders to pastor and oversee the local congregation. We've touched on that. Then Peter warns elders against being too authoritative. In other words, not to lord it over people, not to dictate people, not to dominate people. Um, the ESV, I was reading Chantel's Bible. She was driving on the way here, and, I was re- and it says, oh, I don't know what it says. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I turned 1 Peter 5. New, New, New Testament, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Just teasing. This is my daughter. I can tease her. All right. Uh, 1 Peter 5. I just love the way it words it in 1 Peter 5. She's getting there. All right. Thank you. Hold that for a minute, please. 1 Peter 5 says this. I love it. So I exhort the elders among you as a felder elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partake in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Exercising. It's not one of control. It's just exercising oversight. I love the way that translation, the ESV is better translation. So that's what he's saying, all right? Then Peter promises elders that when the Lord returns, they will receive an unfading crown of glory. Amen. Next slide. Peter exhorts elders to be clothed in humility, to walk in a humble attitude. Okay? And then Paul reminds the Ephesians elders that the Holy Spirit placed them in the church as overseers to pastor their church. Again, that they're called by God. Not by people, not by man. Paul exhorts elders to guard the church from false teachings and to be alert to the constant threat of false doctrine. This is a real reality, particularly in today that we live. Because you can just go on the internet, you can just get it out there, and there's some stuff out there that is not sound and it's not biblical. It really isn't. It sounds biblical, you can even quote scripture, but it's not. It's not. So if you're not too sure, come and speak to some people. Uh, Paul reminds elders to work hard to help the needy and be generous like the Lord Jesus. And Paul exhorts elders to live at peace with the congregation. That's a big deal. Amen. All right. So, what is the church's response? Let's have a look with it. I just highlighted a couple of these. The church. Instructions about elders given to the churches. James instructs those who are sick to call the elders. So the onus is on who? The sick person to call the elder, not the other way around. Okay. Paul instructs the Ephesian church to financially support elders who labor at preaching and teaching. Just want to stop there a minute. I know there's a book going around. I haven't read it. I've just been told about it, about that... Um, you shouldn't be paying people in the church. I haven't read it, so I hope I'm not misquoting it. Um, that we can just, that you shouldn't be subsidizing or helping financially people that lead a church. Well, it's not true. It's not true. There it is right there. If you read the context, it's actually talking about finance and actually talking about double honor. Make sure they're well looked after financially. Amen. So they can get on with what God's called them to get on with. They don't have to worry about their finances. Paul instructs the local church about protecting elders from false accusation, disciplining elders of sin, and restoring elders. There's a chapter, there's a piece in there where Paul talks about in Timothy that if an elder has fallen, how to restore him. And in actual fact, he says if an elder has fallen, morally or whatever the case is, he's got to be publicly rebuked. That's tough. <laughs> All your washing gets hung out for everybody else to see. So there's an accountability. There really is an accountability. It's not hidden away. It's not shoved under the carpet. Are you with me? 
and it's about protecting elders from false accusation. That scripture actually says there's going to be two or three witnesses if you're going to bring accusation against an elder. That's how severe God takes it. You cannot just accuse an elder just because you don't like him or the way he speaks or whatever the case is or whatever. You can't, you can't do that. God watches over that. Let's actually turn to that scripture because it's very important. Let's go to 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy, I'm in Ephesians, that won't help. 1 Timothy 5. All right. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5 says this. If you go to verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So it's got to be substantiated. Those who sin, talking about elders, are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. Verse 21, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. There's another time that Paul says about the elect angels. Only twice he uses that terminology, and the other time is in 1 Corinthians 11, where he's talking about headship, and he's talking about husband and wife. And he's saying, keep these instructions as well. Why is he talking about it? For me, I understand that when we get the structure right, when we get it right, and when we honor those that God has put to watch over us, when we honor them correctly, it allows the angels to minister into that context. When we undermine those that God has put to watch over us, it's like we cut off that. We cut it off. That's why Paul is so strong on the language he's using there. You with me? I encourage you, and I'm not aware of it, so I can honestly say this. Please don't run your elders down. Please don't talk about them to other people critically. I'm encouraging you with everything that's inside me. Why? Because you take away the covering that God wants to give you in the spirit concerning who they are. There's a natural covering that is given in the Spirit when we honor those that God has put to watch over us. There's a covering that comes. It really is. And when we dishonor, it takes that covering away. Amen. All right, carry on. Paul instructs the church as to the proper qualifications for eldership. We don't have time to go through all of us. Next one, please. To the church in Ephesus, Paul states that anyone who desires to be an elder, desires a noble work or a noble task, you just have that in your heart. Paul instructs the church to examine prospective elders as to the qualification, and I happen to be here the Sunday when they announced about Kevin and Katie. Instead, if you have any issues, come and talk to them. So you could say, yes, we're with it. We stand together. Amen. Wonderful. It's too late now. Sorry. <laughs> The writer of Hebrews instructs his readers to obey and submit to elders. We're going to touch on that briefly. Paul teaches that elders are the household stewards, leaders, instructors, and teachers of a local church. And Paul instructs the church to acknowledge, love, and live at peace with its elders. Amen. I remember somebody said this. How did you put it? It was Ian McKellar. The church has to see its leaders as like they need to honor them, they need to revere them, they need to submit to them. The leaders need to serve the people and get under the people and love the people and pray for the people. And when you get that right, things flow lively. Real life flows. It really does. Amen. All right, two more scriptures, then we're coming to an end. Can we turn to... To the scriptures I said over there, can we turn to Hebrews 13, 17? I know it's very brief, 
but I'm just trying to give you an overview of what the word says. Hebrews 13, 17. You there? All right. This is what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to the authority. I believe it's biblical. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be at no advantage to you. Amen. So it's clear instructions. Work with those that God has put with you. And let's go to one more scripture on this as well. And I can't remember what it is. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5. That's right. 1 Thessalonians 5. I think I gave you that scripture, Andrew. Thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Now ask your brothers to respect those who work hard among you and who are over you in the Lord, not above you, not better than you, just to function, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, etc., etc. So Paul is strong on just let this relationship work. Work in peace with your leaders. Be at peace with one another. Work together for the calling that God has on the church. Amen. All right, it's just very brief. That's why eldership is so important. And God raises the elders and brings them in. And uh, you don't want to be an elder unless God has called you to be an elder. Trust me. Trust me. I see Dwayne's laughing and Dwayne's the guy shaking his head. And I'm no longer an elder. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I did. But my season was up. Amen. So what we're going to do now, Kevin and Katie, won't you come here, please? I'm going to ask Kevin Katie some questions. It just disappeared. Oh, it came back on. All right. All right. You all right? Yeah. You a little nervous? Yeah, I can see that. All right. That's okay. All right. Wonderful. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them some questions. I'm just going to ask them to say yes, and then I'm going to ask you as a church some questions because we've got to be in this together. Amen. So Kevin and Katie, do you commit yourselves to God? to pursue and seek his ways and his wisdom for Free Life Church and every person that is part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Do you commit yourselves to endeavor to be an example in this church in godliness, righteousness, holiness, and in a way that you walk out your Christian faith in the grace of God? Yes. Yes. All right. Do you commit yourself to serve, preserve, lead, shepherd, pray for, and most of all, love these precious sons and daughters of God that is entrusted to you in a manner worthy of the call you have received from God? I do. Yeah, right. (laughs) Do you undertake to submit yourself to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead these people under that delegated authority? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Okay. Do you commit to be in partnership and walk in submission with the elders, these men and women, these men of Free Life Church? Yes, with honor. Yes. All right, wonderful. All right, good. Now, if you're part of this church, you believe you're part of this church, you believe God's called you to be part of this church, won't you stand, please? I'm going to ask you some questions. All right, wonderful. Do you receive these leaders as coming from the Lord? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do you receive the authority as God-appointed leaders in this church? Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you receive their love and care? Yeah. Most definitely. Do you receive their praise and affection? Yeah. Do you receive their discipline and correction? All right, just as enthusiastic. (laughs) Do you commit to pray for them, to lift them up before the Lord so that they might not falter? Do you commit not to tarnish their reputation, but rather uphold and honor them as best as you know how? Hallelujah. Do you commit yourselves to encourage and affirm them through the valleys and the mountain peaks? Hallelujah. All right, they have received you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wonderful. All right, this. All right. Want the other elders and wives come and stand here, please? Yeah, we're going to first pray for them. You want to give them a word now? Okay, give them a word now. Um, I want to read something to you, uh, Kevin. Uh, I just want to read a scripture. I want to read this to you, my friend. Kevin, I bought your Bible, and it's one of those, just rip it. It's one of those big, big ones. Okay. Bought you a study Bible. I was going to wrap it up, and then I forgot, but then I felt before I wrapped it. <laughs> I was going to do it today, but then I felt like the Lord said, don't, because it's not something that is supposed to look nice. It's not something that is supposed to, it's not how, it's, how it looks on the outside. The power is inside. And um, from today, your closest friend, obviously with the wife, your closest friend will be this and the Holy Spirit. They'll be your closest companions. So I want to give you this, and I'll pray over you later. It's a big guy. It's got a lot of notes. You should read it. <laughs> so, it says, I want to read this to you. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading. I love that the Bible says it, but I won't preach. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. That's just about to come. Meditate, it's true, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself, like what my dad said, take care of yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. One more. Where are we? Let me shorten it. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all patience or long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, says that, but you, be watchful in all these things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And Katie, to you, all I will say is this. It's your nice, the word you like. There's a lot of pressure as the wife of an elder. It's just in terms of people have certain expectations. Do not allow anybody to potter you or to shape you except for this and him. No one else. That's all I'll say. Oh, don't try and fit into a mold of an elder's wife. Just be Katie. All right. Can the other elders and wives come? I want to lay hands on, pray for them, and then we also have a gift for you. We've had the privilege of, I don't know why this year, I had the privilege of going to North Carolina and ordaining some elders there, then into Canada and ordaining elders there, and then in Denver and ordaining elders there, and that all happened in a process of six weeks. So it's been just a privilege just to be part of it. And We've loved walking with you too, Michelle and I, and just seeing what God has done, and just even right from, in a sense, from the beginning, before you got married, I remember you came and speaking to me about Katie, and said, I think I like that girl. You said more than that, but anyway, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> I remember you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, so, yeah, it's wonderful. So, yeah, okay, before we pray for them. And this is the gift. You can open it now that Michelle and I, we just like to give everybody a little gift. It's nothing major. It's just a small token to remember this day. It's a map of the world. It's just the bigness of God, the extent of the call, and the largeness of who he is and the largeness of what he's called you to. We just right. felt in that, um, just to remind you that um, your call has always been and will always be bigger. I know you have a calling to nations. The time will come. It's difficult when you've got lots of little children, but don't lose 
the call Amen. in it. Um, and I just felt for you as a couple, first of all, that um, you need to know that you're not coming on to the eldership as junior elders. If you have a partner in a company, if you become a partner, you're a partner. Okay. You come on eldership as an equal. Good. It is God's anointing that does it. And literally, the day you step on, you have value. And there's a reason God has done this at such a time as this. Right now, you are needed on this team, period. Uh, Whether you know what for or they want to know what for is irrelevant. God knows what for. So you come in and don't see yourself as the junior elders. Because that's not how it works. Okay, and then I felt um, that in this time, I felt that to balance... Family with church is tough enough. To balance family with, with um, eldership makes it a little bit more difficult. You've got business, you've got kids oh, and all the rest of it. But I felt that you're raising three leaders, okay? It's, your boys will be leaders in some way in their life. And I think you know that. It's just who they are. Um, and I saw them watching you. And even through all of this, and even through the times when you're battling and everything, they're watching you, and their spirit man is growing. It's growing, and even those times when you have to say no to them, like, and not, not give them what they want that time because you're giving time to somebody else, they're seeing your heart after God. And he, our Father, is taking care of them. And they see how you love him, even when you say no to them. And that is what grows them on the inside. He hasn't abandoned them, and he's not going to let them go or let it be hard for them. They might have to sacrifice. All eldest kids do sacrifice. But they come through awesomely because of what they see. Amen. All right. I've always admired Dwayne and Marie for coming onto eldership in this church with four young boys. I really have, so. Yeah. Um, Katie and Kevin, this is for both of you guys. I just had a picture, and um, it's kind of unusual, but it was a picture of a wave, and it was a large wave, and you guys were, were riding the wave, and I, f and I felt like the Lord was encouraging you that mm. when you ride a wave, you're going a lot faster mm. than you are if you're just paddling in the water, and he's picking you up, and he's taking you faster and a little bit higher, but the interesting thing was in the wave were a large number of young people, and I feel like that you're going to have quite an influence on, on the younger generation. And I just wanted to encourage you with that. Good. If any of you have words for this couple, just because of this time and whatever, there is some paper and pens outside the door, you can write it down there and just drop it in a box. I'm sure they'd love to receive some encouragement from your folk. Just out the door on the right-hand side. Guys, you got a word? Wonderful. Yeah. So, Katie and Kevin, as I was praying for you and, and coming on to eldership, there was a word that the Lord gave me about you and sort of the impact you're going to have over this church and, and the body. And the word was limitless. That things that may have been limits in the past, you're going to help tear down or peel away. Obviously, the one limit we all have is the word of God. But beyond those bounds, I see you're bringing something that is just absolutely limitless. Wonderful. I know somebody's parents here. Whose parents here? All right. I just want to thank you as parents for raising this lovely lady and where she is today. You played a role in it, so I just want to thank you as well in terms of what you've done. So wonderful. Yeah, so, all right. Well, you just stand there. I'm going to lay hands on you. Oh, sorry, Dwayne's got a word as well. I'm trying to get all those words before we pray for them. Good. Just some encouragement for you. Be yourself. I mean, uh, Ken, as he did a fantastic job, and there is a structure, there is a pattern, there is God's order and organization, and, and elder even qualifications of elders. But most importantly, you know, the anointing of an elder, yeah. I mean, that is unique to you in the sense of how you're actually going to work that out. There is no model per se. And my encouragement to you, and I trust you feel this way, and I think you kind of do, is that you're not quite sure what's going to happen. You're not, maybe not quite sure how you're going to actually function in this office. 
and you might not even be so sure exactly what kind of impact you're, you're going to have. And that's fine. Because my encouragement to you is always feel like that. Good. As you remain in that place, that means that you're going to search for the answers in good. him. Very good. So Wonderful. Also, that doesn't mean when you play golf with me, you're going to hit the ball straight now. It's still going to go into the bush. <laughs> All right, so I just thought I'd, okay. Sorry, Marie. I just, I just an encouragement to Katie and Katie's parents. Because I've had the privilege of probably knowing Katie the longest in this room. And I just want to, I'm not even sure how to put it, but I just want to say that every little detail about your life, about her life, about the walk, everything that you've had to do in raising her, it's, none of it is a mistake. None of it is an accident. Um, it's, it's an honor. Um, for us to have known and and give this due honor at this moment to the two of you. Amen. Because you've done an amazing job in her. You really uh-huh. have. And so much of who you are is rich. Agreed. Rich for the people. Agreed. You Amen. have a heart for, and you have a grace for people that none of us, certain, certain walks. And I just want to encourage you that your walk, everything that you've been through, everything that God has put in is for, like Michelle said, such a time as this. And for those who are coming, you have a heart for people, for young ladies, I believe, I just feel like there's a, there's, a, there's a heart for young ladies who may not feel comfortable with anyone else that you are just going to be able to love and you're going to have a grace for. And I just believe that it is for those who are coming. And I just really want to encourage you in it. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, let's put it down. <laughs>